When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Mark from The Treble, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Mark, my first real question for you, because I, I was doing a bit of research, as I tell people, it's like a Tinder date, but people show up to this. Where did this band all start? Like, from what I understood, it's you and Colin were in school together, and it was like a French... I want to say a French rap battle, but it's like a French battle. And it was like, it's like, hey, from that, that's where the band formed. Now, it's an interesting story. I hope there's more to it. But to me, I always imagine, say, much music in the morning where it was like French Kiss. Or like when you see like on YouTube, when people just have, uh, I think it's like history battles or battle of history. I, yeah. I don't know how a French battle would work. Like, again, I'm a Newfoundlander. I don't know French. Maybe uh, you guys do. But that's just weird to me. It's like, hey, you two. French battle right now you're like I, I guess it was a French battle of the bands it was called Chicane Electric and we actually it's pretty funny Colin and I so Colin and I were not friends we didn't really even like each other we both I think were a little bit musical so there were some some teachers at our school who they wanted I think they there wasn't a lot of interest in this project because it was an immersion school so a lot of the kids didn't necessarily always have I mean, no one knew any French music. So the idea that you were going to do a battle of the bands playing French music was, I think, pretty tough for most people. And then so they said, you guys are going to go in it and you're going to go together. And so that was kind of fun. I mean, it was, I mean, and you're 15, 16 years old or whatever. And the chance to like perform in front of your school, I think is pretty enticing for most people. So I think we were both committed to doing it, but it was fun. We, We had never... I, I don't think I'd ever thought about writing a song before. We ended up, we decided that we just didn't vibe with a lot of, I mean, it was tougher to find French music back then. Like it wasn't as easy as like Spotify or something now where you could literally just like find sweet, because like there's there's great French music out there. We had stumbled upon none of it. So we decided to just write our own and we were listening to a ton of like pop punk emo at the time. So we wrote these like two <laughs> French emo songs and had a the first, blast. The first ever of its genre, the first ever of its kind. Yeah, so like, yeah, just jammed out about our ex-girlfriends for three and a half minutes twice. And we ended up winning the competition. I think we got the thing. It was obviously really fun to win, but the thing that we really took away from it was like the process of writing was really cool. And it just became this thing that I don't think like neither of us are very good at overtly seeking attention. <laughs> um, so we didn't really tell anyone we just started writing music together it was just something we would do like that was our hang after that like we wrote for probably two or three years like throughout kind of our early 20s we didn't really show anyone and then finally some friends of ours stumbled upon a cd that we'd made we we'd adopted graham at this point to play guitar with us and mostly just kind of hang out and drink beers so we were writing a lot and then yeah some pals of ours found like they I don't know they were at our house or whatever and heard some songs we did and then they started somebody stole a copy of the CD and then started burning copies of it and giving them to all of our friends and they forced us to play a show that's kind of when it like started way 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 back when it's interesting like yeah a friend is like basically I'm gonna steal this burn it off and give it to friends it's like there's a part of you that's like hey don't steal my stuff but then there's another part of you it's like I guess he has like the best intentions though right like I guess, or either that, or he was like, I'm going to like have all these CDs burnt off, make fun of them. And then you turn into the treble. It's like, who's laughing now? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was cool. It was, I don't know. I mean, it was, 
a very flattering, obviously, to have people like, I mean, I think, well, we really liked the music that we were writing. We were really like, we were happy about it. But we were, I don't know that we ever really would have shown people like other than like, you know, like literally like I think the only time we'd ever really show people is if they were like over, you would play it for them. Like a really comfortable setting and kind of like, hey, what do you think of this? But we wouldn't have ever like done a big thing. We struggle with that for quite a bit throughout our journey in terms of like not really feeling like it was okay to share yeah. which is like a really horrible trait to be in a bad so when we were when we were in the studio writing recording our first like real record so we, we were working with a guy in winnipeg named chris Gaffney, who was really cool he played in this awesome 80 band, 80s band called the pumps and kind of you know his career was rock and roll so he was kind of giving us he was mentoring us quite a bit at the time he's like well you guys are going to need a drummer and a bass player that was kind of our criteria for that we're like we need someone who is shameless like we need people who we need rock stars like we need people who are gonna want to, to who aren't afraid to put themselves out there because if we got any more introverts i think we would have uh, like it would, it would it would just be like one of those bands where it's like i feel like it's a podcast in itself where it's like welcome to uh the band you never heard of because they don't tell you that they're we never would have played, we never would have played a show so, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it wasn't for patrick and dana it was our drummer at the time we wouldn't have, have flown as high as we've been lucky to have done just kind of helping us get out of our shell and, and all that but it's, it's been pretty cool and like that collaborative element that's like the most fun part of being in a band is like everyone having a little bit of a I, I don't know that every band's like this for ours. It's it's five very, very distinct personalities. So you get everyone gives a little bit something different. You mentioned you and Colin weren't like friends. Were you like, I, some people will take immediately to that and go like, oh, well, they must have hated each other. Or were they enemies? Or it was just like you never had crossed paths. Because like, I know sometimes in high school, it's like you know of someone, but you never really engage with them. But it's like, there's not really like you don't like them. It's just like, I've never had the input to go talk to them because why would I? No, we kind of didn't like each other. <laughs> and like for co- for context, we're like literally, I think as close as best friends can be now. Like we're like, so yeah. we've, lived, we've lived together for years. We don't live together anymore, but we're still like, like he's, you know, he was in our COVID bubble for a long time. Like, like we're, we're just about as close as you can get. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't like each other. We were just, I don't know. He thought that I was... I don't know, like <laughs> I had spiky blonde hair. I had like sweet frosted tips in high school. So I was, I was a lot to take back then. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't really remember what I thought of him. He was so emo at the time. He had low lights. He had like low lights and straightened hair with like the swoop okay. all the way down. The, yeah. So, yeah. Like the full thing. So I think, yeah, I just was like, I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, it's like, that's polar opposites to me. Like when I think of that, like now I, I'm trying to remember like the of a Canadian reference, but it's almost like saying you are the BB or the B44 and he is like the Mariana's Trench. And it's I, like, uh, how do you guys see mix? <laughs> yeah, you know, B44 was a, had a very, very successful song. <laughs> so I don't want to speak ill of other Canadian musicians, but I, <laughs> I resent that comparison. Um, no, <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. I, we started speaking music together, and I think that was like a language that we both understood. We totally vibed on the same stuff. Like we liked, I think we both had our idea of what music we liked, but then also like what music could be, especially in like the genre where the genres we were listening to at the time. Like we really had a vision for like where where we could take something, which was really cool. And then ended up learning. I mean, and I I preach this to anyone who will listen all the time, but it's like the people that you have that little bit of maybe you don't like them or you want you feel like judging them or or whatever it is like those are typically the people you can learn the most from uh, yeah i think it's kind of cool that, like that's where like our friendship and like so, yeah like literally like my best friend probably you know like um, and at the time it was like who is this guy it's funny when you mention that because there have been dynamics of like from past interviews we've done now not just even in the music side of things but just overall that the people maybe didn't see eye to eye at the beginning but at the be- at, like you, you'd be so surprised that you're like how did you guys not see eye to eye like for example, here in the East Coast, now I know it's all over Canada, you can watch it too, but like this hour is 22 minutes. Like uh, I think it's Kathy Jones and Mary Walsh. They they will tell you they are night and day. But yet when you see them together, when you see like, you know, on 22 minutes, then playing like the old 
elderly sisters or old elderly women, you're like, man, you guys must have like instantly when you guys met, you must have hit it off. They're like, no, we're like sisters. We're not even friends. It's like we will go at each other's throats. And I'm like, that is surprising to me because yeah. you guys have such like a chemistry. But you're right. Like sometimes the people that you think like, oh, man, I got nothing in common with them or like I totally hate their guts or we don't see out of eye. And next minute when you get to know them, you're like, I wonder, wonder why. <laughs> wonder why yeah. I just didn't see that way. But now you guys formed from doing a bit of research here. I could be wrong in this as well, but it says formed in 2008. But I don't believe you had your first kind of album since I think it was like 2017. Yeah, we we had like independent. So like um, our first big release was, I think, in 2017 or 2015. Like that was our first okay. kind of label release. We'd put out some EPs before then, but they were largely unpublished. So people in Winnipeg would, would you know, there are people who have had, had, would have a copy. They're, they're available now. They're available like free on Bandcamp. We had bumped around quite a bit in terms of like vision genre all that type of stuff and then i think we finally got ourselves like i think we finally got the project to a place that we felt was cohesive for our first like big record which was modern airs before then we'd have our last like, ep before then it was like almost a mix of like there were some songs that were kind of alt rock but there was like a little bit of like a almost like a Mumford folk vibe to it too. Then there was some like pretty straightforward pop stuff. And it was like multiple genres on the same record. We got like from, especially from like the music industry and stuff, we got a ton of really, I think it was, it was confusing because some people liked us for, and we still have like, there are still songs that like when we play in Winnipeg and sometimes in Toronto too, and you get people who are like, they want to hear this one song that we yeah. used to play and different people have like different versions of the band that they, that they would gravitate towards. So it's cool. I mean, I think it's, which I think is way easier to do now in 2021 or whatever. Like, I think people are a lot more receptive to people who, but back when we started, it was like the only way you could really like maybe the, the easier path to success was kind of like through like the music industry route, which is through labels and radio and all that type of stuff. And if yeah. you have a cohesive package, people really, they just won't bite. We were working with like, you know, managers and all that type of stuff back then. And so it was just kind of the counsel that we got was, was figure out who you are and then come see us. And so it was cool because we, it was a, it was a neat exercise because we had to figure out really like what is the trouble what what is what is our song like you know like what is a song that that represents us and spread ourselves out so much because it was great to be like oh i feel like writing this type of song but it was yeah. all like more of an exercise to be like no like we're obviously we love writing songs and and we love all sorts of different genres of music but i think being able to kind of like channel that en energy into something was cool because i think we made some records we're really proud of that I don't think ever would have came to be if it wasn't like letting go a little bit of of some things that you know we were doing like a lot of folky stuff because when you're doing like small independent touring and, and stuff if you don't have upbeat music and you're playing in a bar and like a lot of the, the first shows we played were you're just the entertainment for that night no one's there to see you because of your amazing original <laughs> music they're just they want to tap their foot so if you aren't playing something that's a little thumping like they're not they just it's really tough to to work a room like that so we started writing these kind of folky songs and and you know to this day we still love them but it wasn't really i think our wheelhouse is really a lot of the more melancholic stuff or really really like the big kind of anthemic alt rock alt pop kind of stuff that like that's kind of where we live or we we like to live but it doesn't necessarily go well in a pub right like you're like yeah. you're going great but when you're living that life where you're halfway in between you're playing some big shows at real venues and then you're playing other shows at just like coffee shop or something like that where you're just what happens to be on stage that night it was harder to be i think yourself you know yeah i look at it from like there's there's a whole different aspect we can go into that but it's like to compare it i guess in the kind of the comedy sense it's like if you go to an absolute comedy or a yuck yucks, like, you know, you're there to see comedy, regardless of what it is. Like, you know, that's what you came to see. It's an establishment where I look at if someone has to say an open mic night or a comedy night at like a pancake house or a pizza hut, where it's like tonight we got a comedy. You're kind of like, ah, 
I really didn't come for the comedy aspect, but okay, if you're funny, I guess I'll like it. But at a Yuck Yucks, you know that's what you're going in for. Yeah, um, an edgier comic would have a way harder time at yeah. to just do the dinner crowd at a, at a pop-up, like open mic style thing, where it's like, whereas if you're going to a comedy club or you're going to that person's show, that's what you want, right? But so yeah. you're kind of like, to be able to, to kill in that setting, you need to be pretty middle of the road, right? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought. You know, sometimes with record companies or labels, like when you actually get in there and you sign that deal, they're kind of like, okay, like let's hear some of your tunes. And they're like, okay, we want to kind of genre you in this category where I don't really believe that's really around anymore. Like it could still be there in terms of if you go to iTunes, they'll obviously give you a label of alternate rock or rock. But like for the most part, there are musicians out there, especially say in country music or pop where it's like, one moment the song is a little bit like you're like okay this is alternate rock next time it's like a pop song but you're like all right like to each their own like when you were going off that example there i was thinking the whole time of say a 1975 or a headley where you look at like headley's earlier stuff compared to like their their latest or their most recent you're like all right earlier on it kind of sounded more like pop punk or a little bit of alternative but then now it's kind of like when you see like cha-ching or all that you're like well, that sounds a little more pop. And same with 1975, have like a lot of, say, pop songs. But if I go out and play an HL22, or maybe, no, an HL21, there's a song on it called People by the 1975. And that's a little bit more grungy. And I'm like, okay. But people will just be like, I, I you either like the song or like the band, or you're like, okay, maybe not a song I like, but still like the band, where I feel like a label is more or less like, no, 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 no. Don't even think about releasing that. We've got you labeled as pop. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I think you see that a little bit. Like we've had, like we're with a lovely independent label out of Toronto called the Cadence Recordings. And they, they've always been really good to us in terms of like, they'll provide guidance rather than we're not going to like strong, strong arm you into something. Like I think if we decided that we were going to like make a mumble rap album or something like that, <laughs> they'd probably counsel us. Shit, there, away you, from there, that. there you go. That's your next album right there. <laughs> I'm not a great mumble rapper, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think now people are a lot, the people I think are just like music listeners are just a lot more, their tastes are so mature and they're so, there is so much overlap. Like you're not really listening to like a full album anymore. You're listening to a playlist and on that playlist, you can find a little bit of everything, even within genres, like our latest record, rivals like so there are so many different sounds that are that are going on in there like there's trap hats in some songs there's vintage 80s synths and guitars but then there's also like modern electronic sounds and clean vocals so it's like it's a lot of different things and like i think that's just where we are in music where you you're everyone's just kind of borrowing from this amazing little this little garden that's been planted over years and years and years of music and you you can see what's worked over time and you can you can cherry pick little bits and pieces and i think that's like a lot of our generation of musicians are like it's not just like you're only a rock and roll musician so that's obviously all you listen to like we yeah. listen everything and draw inspiration from it and like even if it's stuff that you don't like maybe vibe to you're still listening to it and you're drawing inspiration from it because it's just somebody else's creativity and you kind of know that now where it's i think there's just less stigma in terms of like crossing genres and stuff it's it's funny when you mention that because of course when you mentioned how music listeners today are a little bit more i won't say advanced but like you said a little bit more they're just not on the surface like they dig a little bit deeper because when I was younger, I, I'm a 90s baby. So, like, I grew up with, say, Backstreet Boys and Sync, like, the girls and boy bands. And when you played, and I mentioned this, I, I, yeah, I mentioned this, like, a lot of times when it's like Third Eye Blind would come on or, I'd lay, or, or Our Lady Peace. I'd be, like, leaving the room and I feel like I should slap myself in the face because I'm like, it's not, it wasn't like, it wasn't poppy to me. And then when I got older, I don't know if it was just going through like, you know, adolescence or university where it's like you'd listen to like an Our Lady piece or, you know, a band of that nature. And you're just like, how? How did I not like this song when I was younger? And it's like, oh, maybe you just didn't go through the motions that this song is representing. Because in fairness, Backstreet Boys were saying about like going out on a date with a crush or blah, blah, blah. And you're like, 
I don't understand the message, but man, is it poppy. Where <laughs> Our Lady Peace, it's like, it's like, I'll be waving my hand watching you drown. I'm like, why are you watching them drown? Why, why are you doing that? It's like, just save them. But then when you're like older, you're like, oh man, yeah, that's what I do. So you're like, okay. But when you mentioned that, I was thinking of like even country music today, like Sam Hunt uses kind of snares in his songs. Uh, you see sometimes country and pop crossover and I'm just like, I don't care. Like, is the song good? Great. If it has a good meaning, awesome. Your music video for No Secrets. Yeah. Uh, I went back and looked at it because I was like, oh man, now that we've had this little chat, I went back and seen how much 80s references were in it. And some, to be fair, I don't know. Some, I was like, I remember the music video. I might not remember the band or the name of the song, but I was like, man, now when I go back and listen to those, I can't remember. I, I was just very surprised. I was like, I've heard this song before. I just didn't know it was done by that person. Like, hit me with your best shot. I've always heard the name, but I've never associated it, like that artist to that song. And now yeah. when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, all right, I'll listen to that all day. But I have a niece and nephew that will listen to 90s music and say they hate it. And then I'm sure when they get older, they'll go like, how do I hate this stuff? This is actually pretty decent. I'm like, it's all coming back to you. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I think it's a product. And I mean, we were kind of joking about it before, but like, the same way that now you could go on Spotify and you could find a really great playlist of good French music. You can watch those videos now and you can look at all those reference and you can actually go and listen to that, those songs like within a minute of getting the reference, right? Like you don't have to go to a record store and pick it up to listen to it. So it's like, for sure your tastes are going to be more broad because you've got the, you've got access to it all in a way that like you never used to. I think like I'll, I'll loop myself into your generation because I'm the <laughs> 80s baby. But like our generation is like, we still grew up when genre specific music and HMV and record stores were like more of a thing. And that was kind of the way that you access music was like, you know, like most of my, the first records that I ever bought, like I bought them and that was what I had. I had, I had an album and I listened to that album and now you can kind of like, you can get bored and, and just navigate yourself to something else and then something else and then something else. You can hear so much more. So it, I think it's like easier to be like, I don't know. I feel like you would have attached so much significance to like, if you're going to buy a record, like you're putting your, you know, like, like you, that becomes a little bit of a piece of you because you kind of invested in it. Right. So you want that genre, that artist to do well in a way that like, now you don't have to be so attached to it. You can just kind of click on it and if you like it sweet you don't need to like be like well i like this genre so the other ones are bad no like all music is seemingly has something good to it which is i think the truth right like music is just people's their interpretation of of culture like through sound and it's little bits of i was talking to about this with colin just the other day and because I'm, I'm a, as you know, from doing this podcast with me, I'm, I'm quite a thinker and I'm a talker, <laughs> but I love writing music because it's so simple. It's, it's just, they're these little bits and pieces of fragments of sentences that when paired with sound, they mean so much and they can change your day. They can change your mood. They can change your life. And it's so simple. And yeah. people do it in, in every different genre and every, in all sorts of different ways, but it still does, it still has the same effect on people like just around like music makes the world go around but like legitimately it's it's amazing it's such a it's a, it's a wonderful thing and to be able to kind of have access to so much of it now is a is if we're living in the golden age so to speak sometimes you just listen to music because you like music but when you actually dive into the lyrics a bit like exactly the moment you said that about you know you're creating all these songs and like it has meaning to it I keep on coming back to when you're studying and someone has all these words in front of you and you're trying to remember it for a test and it's like, you're not getting it. And then people are like, well, remember it in a different way. I'm like, okay. But like, you can remember a song from like 15 or 20 years just because either the melody or it, like it touched you in a certain way. Like the moment you said that, I don't know why this one came to mind, but like sing for the moment by Eminem, the very line of like, maybe they'll admit it when we're gone. I'm just still like, that still to me like rings deep because I don't know if it's just the way the, the music video hit it or the way that it's all put together. But I was like, man, that was like goosebumps when the first time I heard that where I'm like, he's basically telling you a message of, Hey, like when we're gone, maybe you'll admit that like, this wasn't actually bad rap music or like, we're not actual like people out here trying to get your kids to, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, like and I'm just like holy like holy shit. Like in my way though, I was remembering as when these people go, whether they're a rapper, artist, like whatever, you're gonna look at them and be like, Oh, okay, like we looked at them kind of in the bad light, but look at all the great stuff they did too that we just probably didn't give them credit for, just probably over took for granted. Yeah, I mean, I mean, totally right. And it stays with you more than somebody talking to you about something, right? Like it's, it's yeah, if someone had to write out the lyrics to just say every song, but like, and then do it a lecture, like in a university where it's like, uh, where it's like, maybe they'll admit it when we are gone. I don't know what the you are talking about. What are you saying? But then if someone's like, all right, just bring an Eminem, get him to perform it. I'd be like, that's how you do it. Maybe that's what they should do in like university. Instead of learning it from a book, just bring in like a local artist and be like, he's going to sing you what's in this book. And then you're going to go home and be like, I know all about the Great Depression because he sang it in the song. Plenty of us out of work right now. So if any universities are looking. <laughs> I, I do want to bring up, of course, a little bit about that, the No Secrets, because we, we brought this up here in Newfoundland during COVID. There's not a lot to do, as sure as anyone else, anywhere else in Canada would say like, okay, it's not just Newfoundland, buddy, but... I got into watching a lot of TV. I went to back and watched like Saved by the Bell of College Years. I went back and watched like Boy Meets World uh, shows that I was surprised. I was like, oh, you did have a spinoff? Like, I didn't know even that 70s show had an, that 80s show. It's garbage, but I still watched a few episodes to be like, all right, I gave you a chance. You didn't live, you didn't live up to my potential. But we had one down here, Hudson and Rex. And that's originally how I got into like your band, your music. And of course, like you said, I went through iTunes. I was like, man, that's a killer track on that. Uh, it's like on that episode. Who sings that? And I was like, oh, they're Canadian. Great. Then I was like, let's see what else they got. So then I started downloading a few more. And then I was like, I think I even tweeted at you and Hockey Night in Canada, which is like bold of me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hey, it's like I'm just an, I'm just a guy in Newfoundland. But hey, you want to check this out? And sometimes the the joy of social media. Sometimes that's how it gets you know looked at, or someone stumbles across it and goes yeah he's actually right some dude in newfoundland actually has a point but uh <laughs> all the people i was looking at that and i was in my mom's like toronto winnipeg if they had a series that is the perfect intro song and i was like hockey night in canada listen to this shit like this is great you should definitely use this for an intro video and then i was like i think you liked it or i think yeah it's like a like and i was like have they seen that i was like crap uh now i'm embarrassed i didn't expect them to see that <laughs> I was expecting a comment of like, easy, buddy. Like, we know we're good, but don't tweet at Hockey Night in Canada for us. We can do that. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, actually, the hockey the hockey folks have been really kind to us over the years. We've did our song Eyes on Us. It was the Hockey Night in Canada song for all the home Leafs games for the month of October. I, I think it was 2018. But yeah, so we've had a bunch of like sports in general has been like a really neat place for our music. We did the first big one that we ever had was an old song of ours called Coming Home was featured for like the World Juniors. They did like a whole montage, like a whole sports montage to it and stuff, which is really cool. And then we've got to do like a few CFL halftime shows now, which has been really neat. And like, so for whatever reason, the sports, uh, the yeah, the sports folks have really gravitated to the treble, which is which is cool. But yeah, it's neat seeing your, you know, seeing your songs in that way. It's a, it's a great, like, I mean, we love sports, so it's fun. Yeah, to- I, I think it's just almost like, because when you listen to one of those songs, like I listen to all the people. Now I've seen the music video after for No Secrets. And I was like, oh, this is great, but it's not what you you envisioned it to be. And that's not like a knock on you. It's it's I was just very surprised because watching the Hudson and Rex episode where it's another character that we have known, uh, Alan Hocko, that had Republica Doyle down here. And like you expect him to be like the good guy. And there's two detectives and he ends up being like just a different character altogether. And like the song comes in at the end where it's like, oh, you were like we were best friends. But now you're like this badass person that we're not friends anymore. But like, don't worry. It's almost like we'll get there down the road. And I'm like oh, that's a killer song. But like, that's how they presented it to you. And I was like, cool. You see the music yeah, video. It's totally different. More like, yeah, it was more of like a serious kind of vibe to it. Yeah, but I get it because like the like some of the lines in that song, it's like, you know, we've been telling secrets since like the day that we met. And I was like, like, oh, like, damn. <laughs> like, what is this? But I get it when they implement it. It's almost like they listen to the song first. Like, how can we implement this into this episode? I'm like, okay, weird way to do your, uh, weird way to do the TV show, but sure. Because <laughs> that's how it came across to me. It's almost like, how are we going to use this song for this episode? We're going to rewrite the whole episode so this song fits in. I'm like, 
do it. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I uh, so we released we released that video at the very beginning of the pandemic. We we finished it during the pandemic. During the first lockdown, we were passing green screen to each other at different households so we could finish the remainder of the scenes that we had to do. We had we went to like a valley village to get the remainder of the costumes before the stores shut down. So that was our project for that whole first half. And it's been phenomenally successful. Like for, for us, like it's, it was like, it just got, it just took off like wildfire. It got picked up in all these eighties forums and just, I think it's got over a million views now. Rick Astley, uh, found it yeah. and, and tweeted it to his like millions of followers, which was amazing. And then was kind of like gabbing with us about it. And it was on American national television. All this, I say, this is not a, a diatribe to talk about how successful the, um, the video was, but I will go on record in saying uh, that I was a no. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick had that idea and what he thought was a great idea. And, and it was probably for the same reason that, you know, you had that feeling in terms of what, what the song made you feel in terms of it, the, the way they used it on Hudson and Rag. I just was like, I don't know. I don't think it makes sense. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't really understand it. I don't <laughs> watch it. Uh, I don't think it goes with the song. I just, I don't know. And their, and their punishment to you, their punishment was to you was to make you actually be in the video doing it. And I was like, you're the oh, only okay. one that doesn't like this. So you know what? Your punishment is we're putting you in the video. And you're like, oh, I, I, it's an <laughs> advertisement for the uh, benefits of, of collaboration because <laughs> I, I always like there, no, no one has veto in, in yeah. our band if it's, it's quorum. So Mark doesn't like something. So we're not doing it. It's, it's yeah. kind of, so this is an idea somebody has. So you'll, you know, okay, like sell me on it. And even if I'm not totally sold, if everyone else is, like I'll do it. And I did. I danced and I, I wore costumes and yeah. I all sorts of different people for it, in front of a green screen for for quite a while. And like it was a blast. It was super fun to do. Um, and I, I think I, once we started filming, that was when I kind of like was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be amazing. Yeah, it's and, it's very creative because, like you said, in a, in a span of COVID, and it's like, okay, what can we do to make a music video? And like some people would just be like, well, how about we just don't release the music video until post COVID? But you don't know how long that is. So like, you know, sometimes creativity pans out, and obviously it did in this case. But like again, I don't know all the references. I feel I hope like people don't come after me like. How did this '90s baby not know all these '80s references? And I'm like, there you go. Like you just said it out loud. How would a '90s baby know all the '80s references? But like, there was like "Take on Me" in there. There's "Wham." Uh, some other ones that I'm like, kind of. I, I guess to ask you the question is like, what other int or like music videos did you use? Because of course, some of them are so iconic that you see over time. Of course, watching it say on much music or much more where they do. Even when I grew up, these videos were still always, always on the go. But like, what other examples did you have in that? video there were a million and i'm not the person to ask about it <laughs> they're all you can watch the the side by side no secrets video which is also on our youtube channel nice um, okay. where the original videos are all up on there and listed and no the the idea came up it was pat's idea i'll give him credit for to fuel his i told you so and like really interesting quality of his is he's all he's always learning something new and he's been really into film and just like so we do all of our stuff is diy so he's typically like the director um and then ever like all of us do everything from from help light to to holding cameras to to costuming to whatever like so all like we're doing all that ourselves but he just geeks out over over this stuff so he started getting he was watching the video for i think it's eye of the tiger and that's he, a great motivation that no well, matter what you're doing <laughs> he was just thinking about how they made it and then started watching more of those videos because it's a really interesting generation of what people were doing was fascinating with just in terms of like what like they like i mean that it's literally the, the golden age of the music video in a lot of ways so you just thought it would be really cool to just kind of like try and do a shot for shot remake so his pitch was actually he he cut all those clips together to the song 
And then we mimicked them from there. So it was like everything to making sure that you had like, this guy's got this type of hat. So you're going to try and find that type of hat or make it or this type of like shirt or whatever. And then you're going to have to do this dance. You're going to like move your, I'm not going to do it right now. Cause like, I couldn't do it then either. But yeah. So you're like kind of miming like, like, I don't know, 11 seconds of these famous videos, but it was a, it was a blast to make. It's one of the more fun things that I've been a part of and and we've done a lot of weird stuff over the years, but it was, it was cool. And it's like, I think the proof is in the pudding. It's really neat to see, like, it's just like people are just always watching it and they come back to it and there's always something new to catch. And I also think it's like really fun and hilarious at the time we released it, you know, you're saying like a lot of people were delaying. I think like our instinct at the time was like, people need content more than anything, especially in that first period of time where no one, there was so many things were that were unsure. And even now we're kind of looking at the end of it. By the time you didn't really know how long it was going to last, you didn't really know what was going on. There was so much insecurity. So I think escape was such an important thing. So we were just always going to, so we were going to plow full steam ahead. We're going to get this video out as fast as we can. We're going to get the record out. And a lot of things about that, have been tough because a lot of the things that come along with it, you know, the big tour that comes after uh, the record getting the release or big show. We're still, we still haven't done our, our album. We have, I haven't played a show in Winnipeg in years. So we were going to do a big album release show in our hometown, which was going to be super fun. So we didn't get to do all that stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, I think people really vibe with the album and the video and stuff, which I think if we could be responsible for a shred of people being happy in such a rough time, hell yeah i'll do that um any day it's interesting because when you said that like i I remember when the pandemic first started and there was a lot of people like figuring out like okay what are we going to actually do like how are we going to keep ourselves going like especially when you're not not in your case but say there are bands out there that like they were just getting to their peak that people were just getting to notice them and then pandemic hits it's almost like oh great we're starting right back from ground zero because now we got to build it all up again but People went to Instagram live to do stuff and some people still do that. And I, I think that's great because it gives you your own fan base. That's been there since day one, people that jump aboard now because there's nothing else really to do or to watch. So they're going on their Instagram to, to do these things. Yeah. I like how you kind of said like to, we had to make this content because there's always people out there that will say like, okay, no one's going to produce content because we're in COVID. And then there's the other crowd that will say, well, if no one's going to produce content, if that's how you think, then let us produce the content so that now we get more attraction or like more hits and i think that's cool but when you mentioned about that music video like i'll even go back to it now like i i have the song anytime i go out i listen to it on my uh iphone but like i'll go back to the music video i like try to reference like where this music video come from where this go to okay that's cool that's interesting so it's a very visual like we live in a world now where everything's kind of not that it was not before but more people pay attention i guess to the visual aspects of music videos so i'll go back and watch it like three or four times maybe in a day i know last night i watched it for a whole bunch of times and i was like breaking it down i was like it's like oh it's like i i remember this scene from like this move or this music video so it's it's really like an interesting dynamic and like again give him all the credit if you want but you did a really good part in playing the part let's put it that way because there would have been people that's like almost like oh i can't believe that we're doing this video okay i'll do it but like you dove right into it. And I'm sure there are people out there that appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was fun. It was good. It was good for me. I'd never really done anything that. I'm a very serious front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was fun to do something a little wacky to, to just, you know, play dress up and, uh, and do stupid dances. So it was cool. When I mentioned earlier, of course, all the people, I really like that song. And in, in kind of a fun aspect, like when we were in university, we had these projects that, I was in a Canadian studies class. So the end goal at the end of the, like we had a really kind of laid back teacher and the end project was almost like, okay, create your or create your own Canadian superhero. And I was like, man, like I'm not really into superheroes. Like I haven't watched a lot of these Marvel DC movies. So I went to them and I'm like, can I kind of create my own Canadian TV show? And they were like, whatever. Like I'm sick of you. <laughs> like just do what you got to do to get your grade. I was like, okay. So I came up with like a, this whole Canadian TV show called PR, which was like public relations. It was kind of like suits meets, I guess, the office, but it was supposed to be super serious. So I came up with like, I went full on into it. I was like, here's what the opening theme is. Who's here with the closing theme? And I think it was like classifieds. 
it was one of classified songs but it was remixed but like when i go back to it i guess because i'm in like the media aspect i like tv and film i look at some of these songs like especially all the people and i'm like that would be a dope ass song for like a, a mystery show or like a a detective show and i'm just like man like you can just like have certain lines like you know because over over the years they change season openings like sometimes they'll just use the clip from the very beginning or a clip from the very end i'm like this song has so many things that you could use as an intro and extro and i'll say that to my friends so like can you just can you just play hockey can you just come back to like reality here and i'm like i'm like yeah 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 and i'll go yeah. you leave you leave you're like right up pen in your hand you're like why don't i put this here i will contact him and ask if i can use the song and blah, blah, blah. and then you just come up with a whole thing but I feel like with the, the generation of TikTok and Instagram and that now, like sometimes a song just takes off. Like just imagine tomorrow if I posted on it on like Instagram of like, here's what I thought a just detective show would be with this song. And someone's like, I like that song, but here's my idea of what I would do. And yeah. then it becomes like, you know, the whole, a treble challenge. And then you're, and then that's how you get over. Like, or I use get over. Cause I'm like a wrestling fan here, but like Robin Adelini F one fifty. That goes like really well on country music, but apparently it was really trendy on Instagram first. I was like, oh, okay, or TikTok. Yeah, it's a bit I mean, people can take ownership of music in a way that they they didn't used to be able to, which is which is pretty cool. When all that came to mind, I was like, Man, imagine if you just come across your timeline one day and it's just a, like the the treble challenge. You're like, We didn't inter- we didn't we didn't do no treble challenge. What are you yeah. talking about? But then like you just see people like doing like crazy stuff with songs. You're like, okay, like I actually would be interested if you actually did do that like tweet out the treble challenge and you put that no secrets video and then told people here try to remake this yourself you'd be surprised how many people would be like send you like really crappy videos and be like did i do okay is this good and you'd be like retweet it reshare it whatever like more fans yeah maybe that'll be our next venture for a while you mentioned about rivals like the latest album you have out tell me a little bit more about how that came to be and like where do you expect it to to i guess go or take off i know a lot of people are going to say every artist will be like well i really hope it does well but like tell me a little bit more about this because to someone like myself that's essentially seeing it on like seeing a song put on tv going on to itunes downloading a couple of tracks that's how i came to like know of you guys so like when you do you get a lot of stories like that as well i guess it's kind of like a two-part question but like you know what do you expect from the album and do you get a lot of stories of people coming up with this album now and going, I heard this song here. I really liked it. So I checked you guys out. Definitely do. It's been um, specifically the the Hudson and Rex one was kind of funny. We didn't know that it had been placed until we started getting tweets and texts and stuff like that. And you were one of those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Uh, it definitely like rivals over the last, I mean, it, it's been out for been out for over a year which is wild that uh this year just flew by yeah. or took a long time i don't know um, either, either or <laughs> but, uh no it's it's cool i mean i mean covid's definitely thrown and i'm sure a lot of musicians could sympathize for me the biggest thing that you hope for um from a release is touring so like i mean our live shows are kind of are, are our favorite part of of music so this has been definitely a tough year but yeah i think the i think the the thing you normally we normally measure success by by what what type of touring we we get and can do on our own so for us it's a mix of touring is a mix of doing like independent shows so like our own headliner shows across canada and then getting brought along by artists with a bigger profile and opening for them so the last year we did a a mix of both of those and it was cool because you see you know it's a lot of the times it's your release that gets you those spots on those bigger tours and then you build more fans and then the next time you come to town you've got um so, so and then sometimes spotify is the reason why people come to your show so that's i think a lot of like how you measure the how i think we measure success for a record i think, I think we we would have been planning on on having quite a big year this year and I think the record did everything that we we were hoping that it did. Like people seem to be listening and loving it on Spotify, which is really cool. Um, and Apple Music and Amazon and every other thing it seems like the the stream counts are great, which is which is very flattering to to hear that people are still 
listening to us after after being around for for such a such a while and and chopping and changing over the years and then the, the video as well and the, the few videos we've done as well where all of them did really well this year which is which was really cool it's a little sad because those are the things where it's like you want to see those view counts translate into into faces in the crowd that's kind of what we what we hope for so I hope come, you know, come the fall or whatever it is, I think things are going to start coming back a little bit, which would be really cool. And, and I hope to, to get out there and, and play some shows again, because that's, that's really what it's all about. Uh, the internet is fun, but it's not the same. It's not the same as, as, as playing a show, you know? Yeah, like feeding off the crowd and, the, and its energy. Like, I, I think it's funny because when I look at it in the term of a comedian, like, Sometimes when you go on these Instagram lives and you see people perform, some people like it just because they're in the content or like they're in the comfort of their own home. And then they can see, you know, the messages come across on the screen, which you don't really probably see that in the concert. Like my joke, I think on a few other episodes I mentioned is like, if you go to a Rascal Flats concert and you, you yell out from like, I don't know, the third or fourth row, it's like, I love you guys. It's like, I went to see you when I was 16. It's like, they're just going to keep on singing because you're getting zoned out. Where like when they're doing it on Instagram, they might see that comment and they'd be like, Oh, that's really cool, Brian. Like, hope hope we had I hope you had a great 16th birthday, blah blah blah. And you're like, Oh my god, they actually said something to me. That's cool. But yeah, to feed off a live crowd is something in itself because there have been concerts. Like I, I was a big We the Kings fan. And I think when you look on YouTube, they show you an actual concert and the crowd just starts singing along with them, like any other band, of course, but it's like it's gotta be like really cool when you actually see a whole bunch of fans sing a chorus with you and you're like holy like holy shit like no, they know our songs and they're singing it with us we're on an instagram you're like like say it with me why can't you why can't i hear you sing it with me <laughs> no it's it's not it's totally not the same i mean and we've got it's been it's been cool for us because we've got to do it at, at like at the level we're at we've got to do some really 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 big shows but then we also have done a lot of really really small shows to be honest, either experience is really cool in that regard. Like, like even if it's, I don't know, you're in a city that you don't live in and there's, even if it's 10 people and you you start, the one song comes on that everybody does kind of know. And that's the reason why they came out that night and they made their night about you. They bought the ticket. They went to the bar. They, they maybe called up a friend they hadn't seen in a while or, or whatever. And then everybody starts singing a little bit it's all worth it and then you get to shake hands after and get to know people and you know some of our best friends in cities that we that we don't live in started off as fans who who were just coming to a show that is definitely like i think the thing yeah, that i miss the most it's kind of cool that you said that because i'm thinking back of when we had like ian castleman on from mariana's trench and he said when they first started off it was like you know people would come to, to the show and they're fans. And then years later, they're coming back with their kids. And like, you know, they still know them because they know the face. But yeah. like, it's kind of like a weird moment where you're like, holy, like, are we getting old here? Like, are we? Yeah. It's like, no, you guys are just, it is what it is. But to them, they're like, they become their fans first. And then they become friends. And after because of how many times they go, I think he said there was one that went to like 16 shows. I think it was either in a year or they just traveled with the band almost like wherever they went, they went. And I'm like, that's kind of cool and dedication. But I feel like me, I'm in a weird aspect where if I if I was doing podcasting from each different, I don't know, city, and then someone came up to me on each different city and they're like, hey, I've seen you in Montreal. Hey, I've seen you in Toronto. I'd be like, can you just, like, I'm I'm glad you're coming to see me, but like, are you are you okay? Because I'm doing the same stuff over and over. Like, like yeah. save your money. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think, I mean, I think with music, it's definitely, it's that type of experience for a lot of people. And the idea of going to multiple dates of the tour, even though it's the same show, it's like, I think music has a great way of making people feel uh, like they're a part of something. They're a part of that, whether it's the, the, you know, their belief in that band contributed to, to the success is like, is a powerful thing for a lot of people just to, to, to have that little bit of identity. And it's cool. I mean, like, I, I know like those, those guys are really nice guys from, from any times that I've interacted with them and most artists that's, you know, you do notice and you do see it. And, you know, I, I know you make the joke about, about like, oh, are you okay? It's like, I think in a lot of ways, music helps people feel more okay. 
And that's, I think, like a, a, a pretty wonderful thing. I guess sometimes people might just, you know, travel with the band sometimes to see like if they do something differently on a different, uh, you know, a different date or a different uh, venue. Okay. We make mistakes is what we do. That's <laughs> what you get when you go to multiple live shows is you start noticing that it's uh, yeah. there. It's like, you start seeing that the chinks in the armor. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I look at it because, like, you know, if you go to one comedy festival or one comedy night, like I, I remember when Jim Gaffigan came to Ottawa, I only seen him once and I was like, OK, great. But my buddy went to see Louis C.K. twice when he was in Ottawa, like because he had tickets to back to back shows and he just he couldn't get rid of the other ones because it was just like the late night show and people didn't want to barge their money. So he went to see him twice and he was like he was amazed as a comedian himself of like how. The first time you go see him, you're like, oh, like that stuff wasn't planned. He's just really good at improvising. No. Even when you think like every moment where he puts up his hand or he does something when he's like faced or features, whatever, that's all planned. Like you said, he did it the exact same way the second time, the first time. And that's why I think sometimes like musicians do it, but it could be, it's like a different environment. So it could be like when you're in Montreal, if that's your hometown, you might be a little bit more amped up compared to, and I'm going to say it because no one's going to like, no one's going to give a shit when I say it, but it's like when you come to Newfoundland, and it's like, oh my god! Or how did we get here? Like, did someone fuck up our tour date and we ended up in Newfoundland? Because there have been acts where it was like my favorite one to use is years ago when Hillary Duff was just coming out. She had she, people were so excited because they're like, wait, Hillary Duff's coming to Newfoundland? Are you sure that's not a typo? And then it, it ended up her PR came out and she said she thought she was going to New Zealand, and we were like, of course yeah, she did, right. of course she did because she's in her peak. Why would anyone in their peak come to Newfoundland? Like we're we're still waiting for Garth Brooks to come, but by the time he comes, it's like I'll be like fifty, and then I'll be like, I remember Garth Brooks. He's like, is he going to do the same thing that he did when he was in his like forties? It's like no, Brian. He's like in a wheelchair. I'm like, well, why did he wait so long to come? It's like because no one knows we're here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are definitely. I mean, there's a certain amount of planning that goes into it, but there's yeah. definitely a certain amount of. You know, you're going to feel a crowd out in the same way that comedians will tell different jokes in different cities. Although the jokes are typically already, they already exist, you know, it's yeah. like playing a song, you know, the same way we'll play a different set sometimes, or you'll play, you know, longer, shorter, depending on the crowd, if you'll adapt and adjust and, and things go wrong. And then all of a sudden you're playing an acoustic song, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know these, these things happen, but it's fun. And that's the best part about I used to always do a spiel about live music when we played. And that was one of my favorite parts of the show because every little bit of that evening is, you know, like the guy who's heckling is part of the show. The the rain that you had to, to fight through to get to the venue, the parking, the, your foot being sore or your, or, or them playing your favorite song at your favorite moment. Like all of that comes together to make your experience, right? It's not just, it's not just the songs that get played on stage. It's it's everybody together that that makes the experience. So and that's what makes it cool, you know. And that's why that's why we do it. Have you ever had say fans come up after a show or maybe even during a show, even though it'd be like weird unless they rushed the stage or something and said you didn't play my favorite song or I really like this song because I I used to think there I don't know like you can still watch it on YouTube and I'm kind of bummed out that it's no longer there like a show but like. Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 had this thing called Hoppus on Music. And at the time, I'm a big Blink-182 fan, but I was also a big Fall Out Boy fan. And he had Patrick Stump on. And he said that the one time they were in Chicago, he remembers Patrick coming up to him as like, you know, a kid or maybe someone in their teens and said, uh, yeah, I really liked your show, but I didn't like that you played that song. And then he reversed it on him and said, so now that you're like, now that you're a part of Fall Out Boy, do people come up to you and say that? And he's like, yeah. And how does that make you feel? Almost like, you know, like tongue in cheek. And he's like, oh, I hate it. I hate when people tell me, like, I just worked my ass off for a set. And then you basically say, I liked it, but you didn't play my favorite song. And he's like, that's how I felt. <laughs> that does happen. People can get very opinionated with you about um, what you what you should and shouldn't have played. And people aren't always shy. And, yeah. that's, great, and that's great. Yeah, I would be the one if you came to Newfoundland to do a show. I'd be like the one in the fans like they actually came and they're still young. Like, how are you guys not amped up for this? Or it's like after the show, I, I see you and be like, remember that time I did a podcast? You're like, I don't even know who you are, man. Don't even, and I'd be like, I'd be like, oh, we've we've done this I totally know who you are now. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, how dare you? I'm wearing, I am wearing your like, I am wearing your gear, and you're like, that says the trebles with an S. Like, you went to the wrong store. You went and bought. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, I can cross that out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> how did you guys come up with the name? Because I, I feel like in my mind, as a joke, I'm, I'm just thinking like you guys were pitching around musical names, and someone's like, why don't we just call ourselves Treble? And then it's like, it's been a long day. We'll sleep on it. And then it's like, Mark loves it. We'll go with that. <laughs> we definitely had a hard time coming up with names as I think a lot of bands too. We, yeah. we drove by a lot of signposts and tried to combine words from them as of course. many bands do. We tried band name generators, came up with a lot of horrible versions. Um, <laughs> and at the time there were three of us in the band. It was uh, myself, Graham and Colin. I have always been really into British soccer and still am and in in soccer the the treble is when you win three major trophies in a season and it's very few teams have done it it's a very rare thing to do so it's very unattainable and majestic um, and i think that's always also how we felt about writing a really good song so it's unattainable <laughs> yeah it's, it's this elusive thing that you're always striving for but rarely achieve there were three of us at the time and then you add in the musical connotation i don't know what it was 20 years old and probably six or seven beers in or whatever it was it uh it felt right and uh by the time we i think by the time that the the band started taking off so to speak like once we accrued like enough followers that it, it really felt like it wasn't it wasn't just ours anymore uh we couldn't change it and some people really like it some people yeah. think it's the worst name in the world but there's a band called Hoobastank who you know started like number one worldwide so i think it's just that that was what we did and and our band name is the treble like it's it's good because it, it kind of ties into like what you think it is and then putting it in the music side of it as well like we had a band on from Newfoundland that used the word quote the Raven, but like people come up to them at shows and they're like so pissed off. It's like, it's not quote, it's quote. And it's like, leave them alone. Like maybe they just like quote the Raven, like whatever. But I, I think it's funny because when you come up with band names, sometimes if you're not three brothers, it's probably harder. Like, I mean, come on, the Hanson brothers, Jonas brothers, that's easy. <laughs> My dad wanted us to be called Gracklemar. <laughs> which is uh, the first three letters of the three of our names. Um, I mean that 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 I feel like I feel like if if I heard that for the first time, I'd be either thinking that's like a rock geology group. That sounds like a very like death metal band. Yeah. So we get we get a lot of uh, the trouble. We got a lot of the trebles or trebles. And then uh, the only other dark period in our band's history was in 2015 when Megan Trainer came out with the uh, smash hit all about oh. the you know they don't talk about the effects that that had on uh, on Winnipeg uh, rock groups uh, <laughs> you know the name the treble but uh, we definitely uh, it was a tough period but we got through it yeah yeah <laughs> and here we are now we're still that, we're still that, that is when that is when you retweet that is when you think creatively and we're like you know what? Let's let's uh, let's send her a tweet, and we can be the opening band for her. It's like it's not great for her. it's not it's not ideal, but maybe we'll get a few friends from that. It, it, she like sings halfway through. It's like it's all about that bass, about that bass, and here's the trouble. And I'm like, yeah. what? It's like great. That's gonna do it for this episode of Topin Tonight. Our thanks to Mark Bruzgard for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TopenTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. 
Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.